0: This is Play-By-Play Cast. Is that faster than a greyhound? The podcast about play-by-play guys. For play-by-play guys. By I'm told,
1: a play-by-play guy. It's a bold
0: strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for
1: him. Now here's the host of Play-By-Play Cast, Todd Bodette. Wait, the Motel 6 guy? We'll leave the light on for you. No, Joel Godette. Joe Godette. Joel. Joe. Joel? Joel, Joel. with L. Okay, Here's your host, Joel Godet. Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. You know, when we recorded that Open, uh, Sean Sullivan is the voice guy on that Open. He's our Associate Athletic Director for Ticketing and Marketing and a lot of those external things. Official title there, by the way. Uh, Associate AD for Ticketing, Marketing, and all those external things. Uh, Sean and I voiced the Open for this podcast in my office some, I don't know, 16 months ago. And it, it very organically happened that way. Like, the jokes about the name were were in there. But it wasn't scripted like like so. It uh, just kind of happened that way. And the amount of comments that I still get just in, like, general passing from people. That's going to stick with me for a while. Unintended consequences of trying to be funny. Trying is the key word there. Uh, I got an, I, an email. I think it was an email this week and like the it referenced might have been a text but it referenced me as joe with an l joel with an l based off of the opening to the podcast so that one's going to follow me around for a while. I, I I believe we'll see we'll see how it continues to go. Anyway, my name is Joel Godette. Welcome into Play by Playcast, everybody. Thanks for clicking subscribe or download. Uh, this is, of course, the podcast about play by play guys for play by play guys, hosted by somebody that purports to be a play by play broadcaster. Our guest today is the voice of the UAB Blazers. David Crane will be with us here coming up in just a little bit. Ball State football took on UAB this past weekend, so David and I sat down this past Friday in the Schumann Stadium press box and uh, knocked out an episode that you are about to listen to. Quick shout-out before we dive into that, though. I was not able to go this year. I went a couple of years ago, and it was a blast, so I'm kind of bummed I wasn't able to make it. Uh, WAER, Syracuse Student Radio Station, we've talked about it many times on the pod, Uh, So my apologies to everybody who I've beaten over the head with it. Uh, But WAER had its Hall of Fame inductions this week, this past Wednesday night. Um, Mike Tirico, Bob Costas, Ian Eagle, uh, all those guys are are in the WAER Hall of Fame, have been inducted previously. Uh, The year I went, Sean McDonough went in, and Bill Roth went in. And uh, Raftery inducted McDonough, by the way, so you want to talk about good-natured ribbing and some pretty awesome stories. Uh, those those were good induction speeches and introduction to his induction speeches. Uh, it's about as good as it gets. But uh, many congrats go out to, to Marv Albert, who is now a WAER Hall of Famer, Syracuse uh, from 60 to 63. Uh, Ed Levine, 1978 alumnus of SU. Uh, he's the CEO of Galaxy Communications, which is, if you're an upstate New Yorker or a central New Yorker, um, one of, if not the main radio cluster uh, that is up in Syracuse, has ESPN Radio in Syracuse, carries the games uh, for the Orange. And Scott McFarlane, as much sports pub as, as SU gets, Scott McFarlane is a news reporter and a really good one for uh, NBC4, Washington, D.C. So uh, congrats go to Scott, to Ed, to Marv for uh, their induction into the WAER Hall of Fame um, this past week, or I guess this week. Um, anyway. Just wanted to throw that out there. Uh, David Crane is our guest here on uh, this week's episode of The Pod. Episode, I don't know, 60, I think we're at 65, maybe? 66, I I've probably just got that wrong. Uh, but David Crane is the voice of the UAB Blazers, and, you know, I, I wanted to have this conversation with him for a lot of different reasons, but one of the things I really wanted to talk about is what we talk about right off the top, and that is not just his situation as a broadcaster, but being part of what he's been a part of over the last two years at UAB. If you are unaware of the situation for the Blazers, I got to do a lot of research on it this past week and talked about it a lot on the radio with Ball State playing UAB um, this past Saturday. UAB obviously shuttered its football program, uh, dropped the program back in 2014 and fairly immediately after the season. And then the outcry, both of support and you know the outcry of anger, caused a, basically, groundswell in fundraising. They raised $40 million over 15 months. And in six months, reinstated the program. You know, the problem is that they had already broken down the infrastructure of the program, basically. Uh, the, the players were gone. They all transferred, uh, able to play immediately. Uh, more than 50 guys transferred out. Of course, a whole bunch graduated. 15 guys wound up staying behind and are still on this year's team. After not playing over the last two seasons, they have one seventh-year senior uh, who who has two undergraduate degrees and is working on his master's this year. Uh, Some of those stories are actually really kind of cool. Another guy was cutting long-stem roses at Ace Hardware when he found out the program was brought back. That's what he did for two years while not playing college football. Um, But, you know, while football players can transfer out when a program gets shut down or find something else to do for the two years to kind of pass the time, be part of the program, and it's, and it's rebuild until it eventually starts playing again. That impacts other people. There's support staff. There's coaches. There's everyone involved with the football program, and that includes the radio broadcaster. You know, in this business, we all strive to get to a certain level, a spot that we like, a level that we'd like, you want to be on network television. You want to be an FBS voice. You want to be an FBS football voice. Uh, there's all these different things that come along with all of our individual goals. And, I don't even know how many FBS teams there are this year. There were 128 last year. I think 130 this year. There's only that many voices nationally for college sports. And you know, guys that do football and basketball is even smaller because there are several schools that have them split up. Well, to no fault of his own, David Crane went from being a guy that had one of those jobs to being a guy that didn't have one of those jobs. He went from being eight years as an FBS football broadcaster to not doing football. It was not on his plate. So I was kind of curious how he dealt with that, how he approached that, uh, and then what it was like getting back in to broadcasting football this season. That on top of... The greater story of the reinstatement of the program and the dropping of the program, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but I just kind of th- thought that that David's perspective and David's experience is just a unique piece of the dropping and readdition of a football program that most people didn't talk about, don't talk about, don't even think about. But for us in broadcasting, is something we certainly would be thinking about. So we talk about that. We talk about calling an NCAA uh, men's basketball tournament upset like months after they had dropped the football program. So what that experience was like for him, uh, what it's like being an Alabama Crimson Tide guy. Uh, He went to school there. He worked there, getting hired, and now becoming a UAB Blazer and being embraced by that community uh, and what goes into that. We touch on a lot of different uh, topics over the next half hour, 40 minutes with David Crane, our guest this week on the Play by (laughs) Playcast. I have been
0: a little bit more of a college football fan the last two years, and I will admit freely that I am thrilled to death to be calling football again. I am. It was wonderful to jump on a plane and, and fly to, to Muncie for a game this weekend. But there was something to waking up on a Saturday morning, going and playing golf, coming home and watching football and cooking out the rest of it. It, it was it was not a bad gig but it was it was two very long years without getting to to come call football games and, and I did miss that dearly
1: Give me the broadcaster's perspective as all of that plays out and then as the team eventually uh, gets cut because uh, there's a lot of different ways that that you come at that I'm sure personally professionally um, you know being the the face and voice of an athletic department. People always ask you about it. Uh, what are all the emotions that were attached to you when that happened?
0: It was, it was difficult, and it was hard on everybody. Um, and, and we knew, some of us outside of the athletic department, if you will, knew pretty much what was coming a couple of days after the Southern Miss game in 2014. And sure enough, it, it happened that the program got, got shuttered, and then you do, you sit around and you think, all right, what are we going to do? Uh, what am I going to do? Am I, do I still have a job at UAB? Um, we went through multiple contract uh, negotiations and renegotiations for my company IMG to, to stay at UAB. They wanted to stay regardless, but had to restructure some things. And I'll be honest, there were times um, that I wasn't sure i was going to still be at uab um but they were the university was great to me img was was incredibly kind to me to to want to keep me around through that two-year break in football and court still had basketball still had baseball tv shows calling shows that kind of stuff but it was there was a definite void um without football and and there were some some days where i i wasn't sure exactly where i was going to be working the the, the next year
1: If you want to punt on this one, feel free. But I'm curious, just from the the personal standpoint, uh, we all work so hard to get to the point where, I don't even know what the number is anymore. It was 128 last Mm -hmm. year. I think it's 130 this year. Um, To be one of those people that is calling FBS level football, and then all of a sudden, to no fault of your own, you're not even calling football anymore. Um, And obviously, it only lasted six months, and then you knew that it was going to come back. But in that six-month window, how much did you wrestle with Um, what other opportunities are there for me? Or is this where I'm, you know, I'm, I'm okay with this situation or what else can I add to, you know, be an add on to what I'm doing at UAB? What are all those broadcaster thoughts running through your head?
0: You, you, you hit them all really. Um, do I want to stay? And the answer to that was yes. I wanted to stay because I'm from Alabama, um, I grew up about an hour north of Birmingham, so I have family there. I still had a ton of friends, obviously in Birmingham, over in Tuscaloosa as well. So I, I didn't want to leave, um, but I also didn't want to not do football again uh, because that—that that is, as you said, that's 130 schools, and and you know, not even. 130 have one guy that does football and bat. A lot of them split it off. So it's an even more kind of special group to be a part of. So I wanted to stay in that. And I guess I'm – I'm lucky that in this field, these jobs don't open up very often. There, there's not a lot of movement. Once you grab a hold of one
1: of these, everybody fights to, to keep it. Legitimately, and, somebody has to die. Like. Uh,
0: yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, you don't wish any ill will on somebody, but gosh, mighty when you're coming up at, through the ranks, can, that, doesn't he need to retire? Doesn't he know he sounds awful on the air? He needs to retire, so I can have that job. Um, but it, it, fortunately, it worked out. There were some there were some uneasy times. There were. Uh, a couple of opportunities to perhaps go elsewhere um, but it worked out uh, and i'm
1: I'm thrilled to to still be at UAB starting my
0: eleventh year now. What was uh, last
1: week like for you? just from a oh my God, this is what football is like to broadcast again standpoint I, like if you want to get wonky on me is there some stuff that happened and you went wow like that's a that's a kick in the rear I, I forgot that that's exactly how this is supposed to go
0: you know I, I, as far as calling the game, I don't think so. I, I haven't gone back and listened to it. I may not. I'm, I'm not sure. I want to. But I had some, some other people listen and, and say, "Why well, it you know?" Sounded like you've been doing games for the last two years. You really you didn't sound any different. So I, I don't think I screwed anything up terribly. I don't think I don't think he, I said he traveled or that's a foul on someone. <laughs> um, but last week, just the whole weekend, the, the build up. Um, you you've been waiting basically two years for this game. We had a record crowd for a home game. Come, we had Sam Hunt, who was the starting quarterback my first year at UAB, calling games. He came back, did a free concert in front of I don't know how many thousands of people downtown on Friday night. So, just just the whole weekend was remarkable, and the fact that they went out and actually won the game was just sort of the the, the icing on the cake. But it, it was a it was a special weekend and. and Calling a game in front of a big crowd, whether it's a, a friendly crowd or a, a hostile crowd, when you've got that atmosphere, it just adds to it. And, and it certainly did having 45,000 there.
1: People always ask me my favorite sport to broadcast, and my answer is always football because it's an event. It only happens 12 times. It's a big deal. Everybody shows up. There's a lot of hoopla. Um, that's the ultimate hoopla. Uh, what was the feel for you doing a game like that? And I mean, you can go to Texas a and and broadcast in front of 100,000 people. I feel like what you did last week is probably cooler than that in a lot of ways.
0: It it really was. And to see the pictures of the stadium, and and Legion Field is a a wonderful old 90-year-old stadium that still seats in the neighborhood of 70,000, which is way too big for us, a lot more than we need. But they did a wonderful job of, of closing off some areas with tarps, and yet it still looked Presentable. It looked nice. They had really jazzed the old gray lady up as best they could. Um, and so to have it basically 80% full for what it was designed to hold that day, just looking out and seeing that, something I haven't seen at UAB ever uh, in, in my time there. And, and I'm not sh- Well, technically, no one's ever seen that <laughs> at a UAB because it was a, a school record crowd. But just to see the team run out, hear the crowd roar, it, it, it was it, – a truly special day and i think everybody there felt it and and tried to soak it in as best they could from the pregame tailgate to the the blazer walk with the team coming in um it, it was it was remarkable and and everyone that had a small part in it i hope went home saturday night pat themselves on the back and and had a a wonderful stiff cocktail to to enjoy the day.
1: Any pressure? Um I have to imagine of any UAB game you've ever called, that's probably the most listened to one you've ever had. Uh you ever thinking to yourself, "Good good Lord, I just hope I get this one right."
0: I you know, going into it, I I did think, "Wow, this, you know, we're going to have a lot of people here. Going to be a lot of people listening. Um a lot of attention on the game, don't screw it up. But once I got into the game, I really kind of – I did forget about that. And I, I, I tried not to screw it up. But um, I, I would say the, the, the most pressure I've ever felt in that regard was the NCAA basketball tournament when, when uh, UAB played Iowa State in the opening round of the tournament. It, I think it was the first game to tip off. So, I, you know, everybody's watching our game until they switch you around – all of our fans are going to be listening because it's a morning game, and we screwed around and won. So then as it stayed close throughout, I did start thinking to myself, "All right, don't, don't, don't turn into a fan at the end of this <laughs> if it gets exciting. Just try to to stay focused." So that that may have been the the most tension I felt during a game. But but last Saturday again, the, the build up to it was so amazing. Um, but once you got into the flow, it. Felt like you were calling another
1: game. I'm pretty sure I had Iowa State in my bracket pretty deep that year. So We, we caught a lot of grief from a lot of people
0: for shattering brackets on, on that first day, and, and we enjoyed every single minute of
1: it. That's, that's what it's about when you're at this level. That's, you don't want anybody to go home happy other than you. Um, tell me about coming to UAB. Uh, obviously, you're from Alabama. You're from an hour north of there, and you'd been in Tuscaloosa for a very long time. Um, as a broadcaster, uh, walk me through kind of where you were at with Alabama. Um, and I mean, were you happy there? Was that one of those things where, you know what, if nothing else happens, like I'm good with where I'm at here. Um, but then what winds up that, that you say, you know what, UAB is, is, is there. I know it was the second time you had, you had gone out for it. It's the perfect fit. This is, this is the move I need to make.
0: Um, it, it, it's timing, it's environment, it's all those things. I, I went to school at Alabama. I had, I had been there for a long time. Um, and was enjoying what I was doing. I was uh, doing baseball radio, women's basketball radio, uh, handling part of the pregame and postgame show radio for football. Back then, um, we were doing a lot of tape-delay TV games and still had pay-per-view games that we could do, so I got to do the play-by-play for those. Uh, We had a weekly TV show that I hosted. I was was doing plenty, and, and I was enjoying it, and I had really gotten to the point where something really good is going to have to open up to to get me away from here because not that I wanted to stay at Alabama forever, but again, I had, I had a little bit, I won't go into all the details. I had a unique family situation at that time, um, where I didn't want to get too far away. All my friends, all my family were right there. So I, I was very happy doing what I was doing. Um, but the UAB job opened up. And I, I, as you mentioned, I made a, a run at it the first time, didn't get it. It opened up again a year later, and I I just kind of felt like that was the right, that was kind of a sign. I, I think a lot of times we do get signs. We, we have to just be smart enough to realize we're getting a sign and, and need to, to recognize it and take advantage of it. And so um, went out for it, was fortunate enough to get it, and have have loved Every minute of it. It's it's different. It's totally different than than Alabama was an SEC school, things like that. Um, but I, it was it was mine. It was all mine, and and that's what when you get into this business, if you choose this path, um, that's what you want to have the opportunity to to get a hold of, and uh, it, it's been a it's been a joy.
1: You're one of those guys where I feel like a fan base can say. Um you know, he is ours. Uh, you know, you, you, you sound Alabama. Um, you're from Alabama. Um, you, you've been around in that market, so to speak, for such a long time. People are already familiar with you. Um, what's there to say about that kind of a person in the role that you have? Um, obviously, you know, Corey Provis was there before you, is phenomenal at what he does. Um, comes in that doesn't necessarily have those ties. And I'm very much in that same boat. i, I I am not from Indiana. I'm an East Coast guy. And I, I came here to Ball State, um, replaced a guy who had been here his entire life. Um, and there's two kind of very different schools of where guys come from in this business. Uh, what's the, the positives and the best parts about the, the, the spot where you're coming from, where people immediately identify with you? Um, and, it, and it's not that you kind of grow into that role. They just already know, like, this guy's one of our own.
0: I think... It helps um, coming from Alabama, and I won't go into all the the, the sordid, uh, sometimes bitter history between UAB and. I was going to say they might say
1: this guy's not one of our own. Yeah, uh,
0: and and I think there were uh, there were a lot of UAB fans that probably were not thrilled that they hired another Alabama guy, um, and I under, I understood that perfectly. I, I do hope that after ten plus years. That, that most of them uh, think of me as a UAB guy who happened to go to Alabama and worked at Alabama for a while. Um, made a lot of good friends. Um, the, the fans have all been really nice to me um, when you, when you're out and about with them. I'm sure there's some that still don't like me. And just as soon I go back down the road to Tuscaloosa or something like that. But um, I, I think there was enough familiarity with, with me, not that I was a big name by any stretch in, in, in Alabama, but I, I think the UAB fans had probably heard me from time to time, um, and th- the fact that I've now been there more than ten years, I, I think they realize he wasn't—he's not coming here to to make a tape and, and go somewhere else and, and think he's much better than we are. Um, like I said, you know, these opportunities don't come along very often, and and if if college play-by-play is what you want to do when you get the chance, you have to jump on it and, and take it and, and hold on for as long as you can. And, and I look forward to some young person down the line saying, good Lord, he's <laughs> awful. He needs to retire. Someone push him out the window so I can have that job. But
1: um, I, I hopefully we'll be here for a long, long time. What do you love about college play-by-play? Um, it's different. Uh, you know, there, there's a decidedly different feel than I came from a minor league baseball background. That's professional. Uh, they're playing for themselves and there's not that collective unity and goal and excitement. Um, why do you like Saturdays and, you know, Wednesday nights and and all that comes along with that? Well,
0: and, and to be fair, I've, I've never done a pro game, so I, I can't truly compare what it would be like, um, if I was the, the voice of, of the Tennessee Titans or, or whatever. Um, I do think, for the the most part, in general, the college fans are just more passionate, and especially in the state of Alabama, about their football and and their athletics in general. And I just I just think it's less of a business. We all know it is a business, a big business. I just think it's less of that in, at the college level, and and I've always enjoyed that. I I I, I like pro sports, uh, but. As I've gotten older, I watch far less NFL, NBA, and baseball than I used to. So um, I just – I like the college game. I like the college atmosphere. Um, and I think the environment surrounding the games is just – it's just different. It is. And, and different – not necessarily in a bad or good way, but it's, it's different, and, and that's, what I, that's what I've grown up with. We don't have a pro team in Alabama. Um, so that's really all we've ever known is, is college football and, and college sports.
1: It's the religious nature of it, I think, is what really stands out. There, there is,
0: at times, to a, a, a scary degree, a, a bit of uh, religiousness surrounding uh, college sports. They, they love it. And, um, you know, you go to Tuscaloosa and there's 100,000 people in the stadium and probably 25,000 more outside just tailgating. And that's six, seven, eight times a year. Um, same way at Auburn. And that's what we want that's what we want at UAB. We we want the, the UAB football ticket to be a, a tough one to get and we wanna see people showing up four hours before to tailgate in the parking lot. And and I think last Saturday we saw that and, and the trick for us now as a as a department and, and people that love UAB, we gotta keep pushing that in the right direction and and growing that so it's not a it's not a one time deal. What makes good football on the radio? Um, that's a great question. I guess some people would say offense, a lot of scoring, um, which it helps. Everybody likes a good touchdown call or or a a long run or a a deep pass, something like that. Um, but golly, you know, big defensive plays, sacks, fumbles, whatever. We had a a pick six from a 340 pound defensive lineman last week that I thought was going to bring the house down. So, I think, uh, the big plays, um, the big plays and still, again, the, the, the youthful excitement that you see from college kids when they make a big play, um, and the band, you got the marching band in the stadium. You know, I guess the Redskins still have their band, but, um, a pregame show and a halftime show with a marching band that, that's, that adds to it all. And, um, I think it all sort of comes together to hopefully, and if and if you're a, a decent play-by-play guy, you can incorporate all of that um, and and pass that passion along to the folks that, that aren't there listening.
1: Yeah, the right crowd, Mike, uh, and, and the right situation yep. does totally make a difference because I agree with you 100% on the band aspect of that. Um, technical standpoint, uh, what – What's important to you? What do you what? What's at the top of your list? I mean, everybody always says time and score and all of that, um, but what do you focus on? And, and what defines uh, a quality broadcast uh, along those lines?
0: Um, the, the basics, um, time, score, down, distance, um, and I, I think it may not. I don't want to say it's less important with all the games for the most part being televised or streamed most people can see it but i always i've always felt when i listen to other announcers you can you can tell a radio guy and you can tell a guy who's more tv slanted that may be calling radio and and that's part of it i think that the down and distance time and score that that's all part of it because most again most times for tv it's up on the screen you can see it you don't have to worry about that as an announcer but i I think just the basics um keep them keep everybody listening fully involved in the game um and i think sometimes guys and i fall into it as well you try to do too much. You try to squeeze too much into a call, and you don't do it justice. Just keep it simple. Keep it keep it basic. Um, what direction are they going? Yard lines. I, I, I fight like crazy to make sure I get the 12-yard the line and not the 17-yard <laughs> line because <laughs> they can trick you from time to time when you're up high. Um, where's the ball on the field? It, it, the more you can score... Squeeze in without missing the important stuff, I think the better it, it sounds. But that, that's a, it's a fine line to try to not do too much. Just call the game, get, get the necessary information in, and then as the flow continues. And, and I would say this, you're seeing these offenses now that go so fast it may make it easier for us uh, because you don't have time to get cute and try and, and describe too much because they're like, I'm snapping the ball again. So that, the the flow of the game, the style of the game, the style of the offenses, I think has a direct impact
1: on, on how we do our jobs. The funny part about that is I listened back to Ball State in Illinois last week, our opener, uh, and Ball State started huddling this year, which was new. <laughs> and we, we the second the first drive of the second half was a touchdown drive for us we finished it i was like, I, I thought that was good i'll go back and listen to it and there's just times where rich my analyst stops talking and i just <laughs> there's just silence <laughs> and i didn't like what i are didn't know what to do out there what <laughs> are they doing and
0: we're the we're the same way there and was no
1: formation to describe like no we're there
0: yet why, why why are you doing this why why are you taking all this time but and, and that's something that that all the announcers have had to, to get accustomed to with these these hurry-up-no-huddle offenses. And I I, I joked uh, with our analyst, Steve Irvine, and I told him, look, you, you need to enjoy the pregame. And you need to get all your good stuff in in the pregame because once these games start, unless we find a team that huddles and, and we get some time to talk, you're not going to have a whole lot of time to jump in. So – the, the the new offenses have probably hurt the analysts more than they they've hurt the the play by play guys.
1: We're not upset about that on this side though. Well, yeah. <laughs> um, tricks for identifying defense. One of the things I wanted to focus on last week was uh, I wanted to call out a little more D because I get I get bored with. Riley's in the eye, or, you know Riley's in the gun. Two receivers left. It's Hall in the slot. Wacanari is left uh, to the boundary alone, and that's where your eyes immediately go. Uh, do you call out a lot of defense and sets and kind of maybe what a coverage looks like or who what corners on or I guess what other ways do you vary up to not get monotonous yeah. or or repetitive in your pre snap description? And that's it's tough again because of the offenses.
0: You have to focus on the offense to begin with, and if they give you time to sprinkle in, is it a four man front, three man front? I think it's easier. And and fans may be a little more accustomed to hearing the offensive formations, and it, it's a little easier to visualize three receivers, right, one left, single setback, or whatever. You look at a defense, and a lot—I mean—they're moving around a lot. It may be it could be a four-man front. No, they drop one back, so it's a three-four. Is it a four-two-five? I think it's just easier formation-wise to stick to the offense, and and certainly you throw in, you know, third and ten. Nickel situation, you know, you got five DBs, six DBs. I just think it's easier to focus on the offense, and again, sort of sprinkle in the defense to break up the monotony. Now they line up eleven across the front. Well, that's easy to to notice. Even even I'm smart enough to pick up. Wait a minute, that that looks different defensively. Um, but again, you have to sprinkle it in because all eyes are on the ball, and and I, I'm always impressed by the the analysts mine and and everybody else's because I'm watching the ball where is the ball and I'm if the ball's in the air I'm watching the ball in the air and I'm always impressed by the analysts who say yep that's a great pass but boy he had so and so wide open to the other side of the field things that that maybe a lot of play-by-play guys better than I am can can see that as it's happening but I I do Focus so much on the ball, uh, it, it's hard to, to see a lot of other things, and, and that does include the defense, unfortunately.
1: Yeah, that's always amazed me, too. Anytime it play's over, and he's like, Well, you know, the reason is because I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just want to, I'm not sure I got the guy who had the catch right. Like, right, you,
0: right. Who has the ball? Which running, which of these six running backs did we sneak in there? With the lousy numbers on these uniforms, who's got the ball? You guys have good numbers, right? Uh, we, had good, we had good numbers last week. Uh, we, had, we went with all green uniforms, which I'm not a big fan of the, 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 all, the monochrome look, uh, but did have white, big white numbers, uh, which helped. Names on the back, which helped. Uh, tomorrow, I'm afraid it may be white jerseys with gold numbers and i wish you the best and and i wish myself the best trying to track who's in and who's out as rich rich, my analyst would say that should not be allowed Uh, every head coach should have to sit down with the sports information guys who are on the stat crew and the radio guys, and even the TV guys, and say, does and before you decide on a uniform, we get to go to the stadium, we get to come to the press box, you hold up the jersey to us on the field, and we give you a thumbs up or thumb down if you can order those uniforms.
1: Well, they've got to, know, they've got to ID their own guys, too. Like, they've got to watch the film. Like, what you...
0: Right, and none of them ever think, boy, they just, boy those numbers really are hard to see. They all know which ones, who they sent in there, but do they think about us who are really trying to no. work? And that we were the last ones they ever think of.
1: We played Western Michigan, uh, and they luckily have new uniforms now because they sold the row of the boat. But uh, when PJ Fleck first got there, they had italicized like gold on white, and their jersey is always crunched up, so you had yeah. you had no idea.
0: We went to Western Kentucky uh, in 2014 night game, gold pants, white jerseys, the gold numbers, and uh, their radio guy stuck his head in my booth first time I'd ever really met him, and he said those uniforms are atrocious. How are we supposed to see those numbers? And I apologize. I said, I know they're, they're terrible. Western comes out in all red uniforms with black numbers. And I stuck my hip walked right back down the hall and said, hey, chief, <laughs> you're not doing me any favors either with that
1: get up you got on down there. And he's Ex- I'm sorry. We're, we're even- <laughs> that's like when Louisville wore the gray on black I yeah. think, a few years ago. and oh, That's why I have TV monitors yep. in here. Um, let's go to a sport where you're a little bit closer to the action though, And let's talk a little bit of basketball. And, and I want to talk about the NCAA tournament game if I can as well. Um, and I mentioned this actually on this past week's episode of the pod. Um, and it's something that Joe Davis tweeted about uh, a bunch right after Rich Hill's Near perfect game, near no hitter, almost shut shutout, um, and that's the thing that Vin Scully told him is that in the bigger, the, the bigger the moment, the calmer you have to be. Um, can you recall for me uh, just your mindset when you realized we're going to pull this thing off? Uh,
0: going back to what I said earlier, I, I was a little nervous to to start the game. Uh, that was my first men's NCAA tournament game. I, I'd done a couple of women's NCAA tournament games, and there's a there is a definite feel when you show up and the NCAA catches a lot of grief for a lot of things they do and some rightfully so, some not justified. The NCAA basketball tournament is one of the greatest spectacles in sports. And just to be a part of it is is amazing. is
1: like uh, two seats down and Right.
0: And 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 my my bitterness for announcers really only rears its head around that time because Jim Nance calls the final four and then hops on the plane to Augusta. And that's just not fair. That That's not right for one guy to get to have a week quite like that. But um, you're in Louisville, a basketball town. You're in this great building um, and you, you play a team that everybody thinks is maybe a final four team. So you've got all that going into it and didn't get off to a great start, but sort of, Settled down, chipped away, chipped away, and and you know you get into the second half. You get midway through the second half, that under eight timeout, and you know at that point, this is a game. This is going to be. It's going to come down to the wire. Um, these are two good teams. UAB is playing great, especially defensively. Iowa State is not shooting it anywhere the way they did in the in the uh, the Big Twelve tournament the, the week before. So you you know there's going to be a finish. Just don't screw it up. Don't trip over yourself. Um, and, and I would say, in that situation, default to keep it simple. Just call the play. Don't, don't, in basketball, I do think you can take your eyes off the ball and try to look and serve, you know, try to see where the pass is going or something like that, and, and you can screw it up. And so I, I do think in that scenario, my thought was just follow the ball, call what you see, don't and and wait for if something great happens at the end, call it and then you know scream like a little girl when, when it's all said and done and and enjoy it. But it it was a it was a nerve wracking two plus hours uh, to to be on the air and to, and to you know we. All, every swinging one of us wants to hear one of our calls on ESPN radio or CBS the next. And if anyone says they don't care, they are lying. And so the trick then was all right, I don't want to have whatever I'm going to say partially scripted so it sounds ridiculous on the air. But man, I sure would like to be on CBS tomorrow morning <laughs> this goes our way. And so, just again, try to enjoy it, keep it simple, call what you see, and 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 hope your team wins, and and you get to enjoy it.
1: Did you make it on CBS? I did. I did. I was. Do you I, have
0: it DVR'd still? You know, I don't. I have it. I, I was. I was on the treadmill that next morning when CBS signed on. And I I kind of had an idea because the, the folks in our studio said, hey, we've gotten a bunch of calls wanting the end of the game. And so um, they started their day two coverage with with that. And then, was it Georgia State?
1: Yes. Knocked off Baylor. So you ate and, uh, and, and what's his name? Uh, what chair, was his name? Yeah. Ron, Ron Hunter fell, yeah, knocked fell him right out, out of his chair. That was the chair. call, yeah. yeah
0: thankfully UAB had beaten Iowa State about 10 minutes before that game ended. So we, we got to have the spotlight for about 10 minutes before Georgia State stole it away from us. But I think that's how CBS opened the, the, the Friday coverage was with uh, my call and then the the end of the, the Georgia State-Baylor game, which that's a treat. That's a treat.
1: Do you remember what you said? Uh,
0: um, it was one of those we hit a shot – to take the lead, and then time out, time out, time out, um, and they. I'm going to have great tape here. Now it's 20 minutes long. Yeah, and then uh, Iowa State inbounds. You know, I'm embarrassed to say I don't even remember the score, but they needed a three, and they missed a couple of threes, and then one of their guys tipped it in with 0.1 seconds, and so at that point. It's over. I mean, it's over for the most part. We just got to inbound it. Somebody's got to touch it. And um, so I think we threw it in, three-quarter court heave or whatever. Somebody knocked it away. Um, and I do remember seeing myself throwing my hands up on, on the replay of the game on, on press row. And I think the mad, I think it was The Madness Begins or something something along those lines.
1: You said you didn't want to script something out and get caught sounding ridiculous on television. But, I mean, are you sitting there in the under four? Like, are there thoughts running through your head? Like, OK, if this happens, this is where I want to be. Or this is the general ballpark that I want to be coming from.
0: I think so. I think you, when you know you have that opportunity, and there's some guys, you know, that um, you know, Eli Gold at Alabama, who's called 97 national championship games. And, and we'll call another 10. And, yeah. and he, you know, he doesn't have to worry about what he's going But he's done it so long. He's been in that situation so many times. It's easy for him. It's my first time in, in knowing what could potentially happen in a situation like that. So I did. I, I started thinking that under four timeout. All right. You've got to be ready for this because it very well may happen. It it could be a buzzer beater. It could be whatever. Um, so you, you know, try to try to at least get something in mind. But again, I, I didn't want it to be scripted and sounded sounding like I had written it at the under four timeout and had to fumble to get out my card to read what it was I had written down. So I think excitement is part of what makes. Um, What we do great. And and you can you can tell when someone is just coming unglued. They are so excited and it's natural. And then you can tell when somebody's not necessarily faking it, but has been trying to prepare for it and, and make it sound a certain way, I think.
1: David, uh, it's been a lot of fun, but uh, I I will let you. Uh, I don't. I think I don't know how you got here. I, but your team is gone, so I'll, I'll I'll let you go on that note. The team has left. They have headed to Indianapolis. Thankfully, I've got a rental car, so we're
0: uh, we'll, we'll be following them uh, shortly. But looking forward, this is a it's a great venue. Um, This is a wonderful state, and we would dearly love at UAB to pick this up and bring it back with us to Birmingham and and drop it on campus where we could play our games, but it's a treat to be up here, and as I said, it's just good to be calling football again.
1: That's David Crane joining us here on Play by Playcast, the voice of the UAB Blazers. Uh, It did not go well for UAB, by the way, on Saturday, and it's going to be tough, and I'm very curious to follow kind of how that program goes, because they had Almost forty five thousand, a school record in attendance for the return of the program in their opener against uh, Alabama A and M, and they ran over them, an FCS program. Uh, but then they got beat by us, and they're good. I mean, my analyst on, on radio for football thought that in a lot of ways they were better than Illinois, who Ball State lost to by um, a couple of points, uh, field goal in week one. They've got some talent, but they're j- it, you know it's an interesting like social melting pot. Experiment because it's all these, in a lot of cases, junior college players, and a handful of true freshmen, just a handful, a bunch more redshirt freshmen, uh, and then some Division One transfers sprinkled in, kind of coming together and trying to make a team. You know, you you talk about building culture in programs, and that t- takes time. And the older players teach the younger ones. They don't really have that at UAB. It's all these guys coming from all these different places. And all these different walks of life trying to mesh and, and basically tie themselves into this quilt of a, of a team and a program to jumpstart them. So it'll be interesting to see how things play out. Because they're going to win some games. And I know their goal is to go to a bowl game, as most you know, teams' goals are in college football. I will be very curious to see uh, if and how that all happens and comes together. So uh, best of luck to David Crane as far as uh, their season is concerned and then his call of that season as well. Uh, for those prep wonks out there, and I got some notes last week about uh, the prep talk and the prep nuggets with Chris Denary. One other note on David Crane. He's doing the game, and he breaks out this binder. I'd never seen it before. I probably had, but I never really thought about it. This binder that is like 11 by 16, or maybe four. It was big. It was the biggest binder I've ever seen. Long. Um, and then he had basically three ring punched offense, defense for, for each team and can basically flip through them. And it's it was just a departure from the old kind of manila folder that I go with and that a lot of us go with. Um, and I liked the fact that he could flip and that he had it in a binder and it was organized and you always know where everything is. Uh, I've got some additional sheets to my prep that are not on my manila folder. Uh, so I kind of liked that everything was locked into one place. So if you have prep questions and you want to pick David's brain about his prep uh, ask about the binder because it's not a big deal it's it's something small but to all broadcasters how we prep is, is a big deal so uh, if there's other things that intrigued you in the podcast certainly reach out to David on Twitter for that but uh, if you're curious about the binder prep uh, I thought it was cool it was different and something I haven't really seen a lot uh, I've seen normal binders but this one was, was big and basically put his he put a regular chart in a binder which I don't know why it's making me so excited, but I thought it was cool. So I'll, I'll end it on that note with uh, with David Crane. Uh, don't have the guest yet for next week. Uh, if you want it to be you, uh, let me know. <laughs> We've got time to sit down and uh, and knock one out before then. But uh, in the meantime, many thanks to you for clicking subscribe or download. Many thanks to David Crane for joining us, and uh, good luck to him and the Blazers the rest of the way. That'll do it for us though today. Hit it, Marshmallow. We're out. Yeah.